0: Our journey along the naturalist bookshelf reaches S for Sharma this time, which means we haven't been working alphabetically. Still, for this latest edition, Paddy Woodworth picks out Simon Sharma's 1995 exploration, Landscape and Memory, a book that was an early part of our correspondent's own journey in thinking and writing about the past, present and future of the Earth and the place of humans in it and on it. Nearly 20 years ago, while vaguely pondering the idea of writing a book that would be, in some way, about nature. I used to procrastinate by browsing in a local bookstore. A dauntingly large and dense volume by Simon Shama, Landscape and Memory, caught my eye so often that I finally took it to the cashier's desk. Looking back over my notes on it now, I see that my first words were simply... This is a treasure trove. I don't think I have ever taken so many notes on any book, nor annotated one so many times over. What strikes me most today, reopening it for the first time in about a decade, is how many of Shama's ideas the book fizzes with stimulating, challenging thoughts, fed into what I would later write myself. And how many of these ideas are still my daily companions. Shortly after reading Shama, I finally embarked on writing a book about ecological restoration. This is the daring conservation strategy that claims that it is still possible, even today, to recover much of the lost natural riches of degraded natural landscapes. Restoration is not Shama's subject. But he taught me some important basics about our place in the natural world. He argues that we should be very sceptical about notions of a return to some kind of pristine wilderness, unsullied by our species. And so I learned early on that in order to meaningfully restore a landscape, we should surely be able to fully understand all of its past, and the role we humans have played in shaping it. Shama writes, even the landscapes that we suppose to be most free of our culture may turn out, on closer inspection, to be its product. And he says that this is no cause for guilt and sorrow, but for celebration. Now his use of the word product here is, in one sense, a gross overstatement. The biological diversity of our landscapes, with all their infinitely complex interconnectedness, has not been produced by humans over 20,000 years. Rather, they have been produced by geological and biological evolution over millions of centuries. Yet Sharma's point holds up in broad strokes. The impacts of our species can be read everywhere, from the Amazon to the Arctic, if you look carefully enough. Even the wildest landscapes are palimpsests. On close examination, they often reveal layer upon layer of distinct human engagement with them over history. This is poignantly illustrated in the case of the awesome peaks and high meadows that became Yosemite National Park in California. The iconic images of this park were created by Anselm Adams, the quintessential photographer of apparently pristine landscapes. In Adam's Yosemite, people rarely feature, and then they are usually tiny and insignificant, awestruck intruders. To create these images, as Sharma puts it, those Native Americans who had occupied Yosemite for centuries had to be edited out of Adam's idyll. They had, in any case, been escorted off their own premises by the U.S. Cavalry decades earlier. Their ageing leaders were once invited back by the National Park authorities to show them how well the new owners were caring for their old home places. But the chieftains were outraged. You have let the valley get so dirty, they exclaimed. The park bosses were mystified. What could these ignorant if vaguely noble, savages possibly mean. Well, said one of them, you have let it fill up with trees. It was the National Park's managers who were ignorant. The Native Americans did not share their romantic attachment to wild nature, to a world without us. They had burned back the forested valley floors systematically, managing them to create the savanna landscape that was most productive for their hunting and gathering economy. Yosemite had long been a cultural landscape, a socio-ecosystem. This story suggests that the fashionable and seductive, but sometimes sadly superficial concept of rewilding may not always be the best guide to restoring a more sustainable and biodiverse future incorporating traditional forms of land management often produces better results than abandonment. Shama makes it clear that he shares the dismay at the ongoing degradation of the planet. Indeed, he grasped the gravity of the environmental crisis before many people noticed it at all. But he insists on reminding us that the long relationship between culture and nature has not been an unrelieved and predetermined calamity. And he hopes, by revealing the richness, antiquity and complexity of our landscape tradition, to show just how much we have to lose. And in 621 unforgettable pages, he does just that. Paddy Woodworth there with his latest addition to the Naturalist Bookshelf, Simon Sharma's Landscape and Memory.